Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Right, I'm going to turn in your Bibles, please, to uh, Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons? And perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly. I never knew you. Away from me you evildoers. I've called um, the message today called obscured vision. Obscured vision. Now physical um, obscured vision could be looking through. Um, in bathrooms we have obscured glass don't we. You, you can't really make out what's really behind there. Um, don't go around looking through bathroom windows now, you, you might get arrested. But this is a better example, the glass here, for instance, we can't really make out the things behind the glass, but it's letting light in, but it's obscuring what's really behind it, isn't it? Now, I've got a cataract in my left eye. I've had it since I was born, and the, it's totally obscured. It's very blurry. I can make out some blue seats. I can see a pink top here. I can see a cross-legged man at the end here. There is Sam. So I can just make out things. It's very obscured. Now, I believe Jesus will heal that one day. For his glory and his time, I believe it. But it's obscured. But I want to talk about a different obscurity today. There's an obscured vision in the world about who God is. There's an obscurity about the Bible. An obscured vision about the cross of Jesus. And also, people are obscured about the personality and the person of Jesus. And so we've been hearing a diluted message of the cross, really. I mean, last week was Easter. And um, for me, Easter's been hijacked by a rabbit and some chocolate. It's not the truth, you know. The world's been sold this. It's more than that. So I want to talk about the importance of knowing Jesus, taking away this obscured vision Knowing him, coming into relationship with him, and knowing him personally. And God willing, at the end, if there's any time, I'll just show some examples of his wonderful, friendly personality from some of the famous stories in the Bible. But going back to what we just read, when Jesus says, I never knew you, I never knew you. Now, there are people who, who have heard of Jesus um, but refuse to accept him as Lord and Saviour. There are people who have never heard of Jesus, and God will judge accordingly for what they knew and how they lived their lives. But here, Jesus is talking about people who actually did know him, accepted him as Saviour, being baptised in the Holy Spirit because they're casting out demons, performing many miracles. So what is happening here? It's one thing to accept Jesus as Saviour, but it's doing the will of the Father. We just, we've been singing about it again this morning. Your will be done. Jesus saying it to his Father too. Your will, Lord, be done. Take this cup of suffering away from me, but your will be done, Lord. 
Jesus says, I do not know you. I do not know you. He died on the cross, of course, to take away all the sin of the world, to free us from our past, but it's to restore relationship again between man and God. That's why he died, to have a relationship with you. When relationship was broken in the Garden of Eden, this is God's rescue plan to restore relationship again. It's good to do the will of God, to do all the things of God, like these people here were performing many miracles, driving out demons, boom, 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 all this stuff. But they never got back into relationship with Jesus. Above all things, he just wants your time. And then you really know the will of the Father. We can be too busy doing the things for God. Um, I know that for a while, I, I just wanted to do everything for God. Do a bit of worship, do a bit of this, a bit of youth, a bit of... Too, you know, there's so much we want to do. We're all excited about doing so much. But we can't do everything. And God's got a ministry for every single person. But to understand what that ministry is, we need to spend time with him so he can really direct us. It's good to have the passion. So that's good. You've got the passion to work for him. But we need to know which particular ministry he wants us to be. Now, please don't come off the coffee rotor or the children's rotor. Welcome team to spend more time with Jesus. Please, we need the workers. As Jaron says, we need children's workers. So please, again, prayerfully pray that. Pray that. And see if that is a ministry where God wants you to be too. Spending time with Jesus. When we spend time with Jesus, we really do know the will of the Father. And then he can say, yes, I want you on the coffee rotor. I want you on the children's work. I want you to preach. He will show us where he wants us. But are we spending enough time alone with him? He doesn't want second place. He wants first place in our hearts. If we put him first above all things, then all the work we do for him will display the greater things, the affection and the love that we can show into the different areas of ministry. When we channel that and we spend time with him, then when we come to serve the coffee, we'll serve it with grace and love. Not saying that the people downstairs don't do that. Already they do. So praise God for them. But it will help us to channel all that. Even in our workplaces, then we can display the affection of love of Jesus to all our work colleagues. Isaiah 30, 15. Really love this verse. Isaiah 30, 15 says, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Repentance and rest is our salvation. It's when we have that time alone where we ask God to to knock all the little bits off, to keep changing us more and more, to keep changing us. That's where we realize we are saved. That's where we realize we're saved. That's what he wants, a relationship. And in quietness and trust is our strength. That's when he strengthens us. He shows us the areas of our lives that need to be changed, doesn't he? He shows us what to do, how to change us. And when we're in repentance, what comes to the surface, all the areas of our lives that we want changing. 
You know, we realize that even though we're still doing the miracle, on, you know, for the miracles for God and all these things, we then realize, but Lord, I'm still, I want this area of my life changed too. And it's in repentance and salvation and quietness that we can ask God to do that quietly in our own time with him in relationship. We pray, don't we? More of you, Jesus, less of us. More of you. May I come small and you come bigger. As I said earlier, the, the world is, is getting darker. You know, the world is getting worse. And people will all say that actually. Yes, it's getting a worse place. It's more dangerous. What our children generation is going to come into. But the light of Jesus will shine brighter. The light of Jesus will shine brighter in this world. He is the hope of the world. We need to copy Jesus as well. He's the perfect example, isn't he? Don't copy me. <laughs> I'm all flawed. Copy Jesus. He's a perfect example. He worked. He served. He walked hundreds and hundreds of miles. He prayed. He ate. He enjoyed his time with his disciples. And he prayed alone. How many times did he pray alone? So many times he went off by himself. We, After many miracles, he we read, Jesus then slipped off to, to pray alone to his father. Mark 1, 35. Mark 1, 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. For me, that's I, I really... That hits home to me because I'm doing that and I love that. To grab a coffee in the morning, just sit there quietly and just spend time with Jesus. That really, just asking him, Jesus, I need you for this day ahead. A quiet place, pray alone. And Luke 5.16, another example of Jesus again. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. We need to often go to lonely places and pray. Just the two of you, God and you. God and you. Remember, he died for you to have a relationship with you. Above all things, a relationship with you. That is the Bible. That is the cross. Let's not obscure that. You know, when we know our children, we we want to spend time with our children, don't we? We get to know them and how wonderful they are. Don't we? Yes. You know, I want to know what my son's up to, so I want to spend time with him. Both sons are wonderful, praise God. But as I get to spend time with them, you know, we ban mobile phones at the table so we could talk to each other. You know, maybe we should all consider that. <laughs> you know, it's uh, spending time as a family, talking, getting to know one another. And as you get to know one another, you know them and you love them more. You love them more. So to know someone and to love someone is, is, is different. You can say you love someone, but do you know them? Another passage, it's flicking through the Bible a, a fair bit today, but it's good. It's good practice. Luke 13, verse 22, talks about the narrow door. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, 
are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Make every effort to enter the narrow door. Verse 25, once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. Again, strong words from Jesus. But you taught in our streets, Lord. You taught us. It's not enough just to accept some of his teaching or just to hear his word but not respond. This teaching demands a response. Demands a response. We can't just hijack the little bits of the Bible or bits of teaching of Jesus that we just want. It's all or nothing. Jesus wants all. You can't have the bits you like and the bits that sit uncomfortably Because the bits that sit uncomfortably are the bits that can change you more dramatically. They're the bits that we do need. They're the bits we really need. Of course they sit uncomfortably. Coming to church sometimes, there's a mirror all around this room showing all the areas of our lives that make us sit uncomfortably. You know, our jealousy, our pride, our lust, our anything, it just shows it. And Lord, that's when convicts you to to repent of it say lord yeah change me more lord i want that area of my life out i want it out you know there's people out there who have a little bit of a pick and mix religion um picking bits of jesus i like the bit about forgiveness i'll have that and then a bit of this and a bit of that religion and sort of mix it all up i was speaking to someone yesterday about that and, and they're they doing this. And I said, you can't just have a bit of Jesus. You'd like a bit about forgiveness and his love. You've got to have all of him. He doesn't want you to mix it up. And, and It's everything of Jesus. He demands all. Demands all of you. We need to respond fully to him. Don't pick and mix. That's why he says, I never knew you. But Lord, you taught in our streets. I know about forgiveness. I never knew you. I never knew you. Do you love Jesus? Do we love Jesus? Do you really love Jesus? But to love someone, you've got to know them, haven't you? You've got to know them. And when my, my wife first met me, she didn't know me. She spent time with me. She was blown away by my charisma and my charm. And my humbleness. Then she fell in love with me. See, because she spent time with me. And vice versa. But that's how it is, isn't it? You spend time with people. And then you, you love them. But we can say we love Jesus. We don't really know. We've got to get to know him. We've got to get to know him. We've got to take the layers off. And really get deep into his personality. You spend time with them. But I love you, Lord. But I need to know more about you. Who really loves Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Not like you know the Prime Minister or the 
or your neighbor or the dustman? Do, do you know Jesus? Words on a page actually cannot compare to a personal experience. You have to have an experience. Lily bought something for the house, and it says the best thing about this house is the person I share it with, which is quite nice. But it's the experience of living with me that obviously is the best thing, not the sign. You've got to experience it, haven't you? We write Christmas cards and Valentine cards and then, oh, I love you, you're the best thing. But you've got to live and experience them. We've got to experience Jesus to know his perfect will for your life. You need to know the man. You need to know his personality, his character. You need to experience him, Jesus, intimately. We are meant to experience him intimately. We were designed to experience God intimately. A relationship is intimate. If we don't know Jesus intimately, you don't experience him fully. Your desire, once you, we get that, we know why we exist. It will bring power to your life. It will release you into a new direction. It's going to be awesome. Experience him, desire him above all things. I desire Jesus above all things. And when I put him first in my heart, my love for my children and my wife and all of you got better. <laughs> he teaches me to love everyone better. If I put him first, I love everyone better. I pray for that. Lord, make me a better husband, a better son, a better brother. He's got to be first place. What's first in our hearts at the moment? Yes, it's Jesus. That's got to be that answer. It's the Lord. He's first in my heart. Let me ask another question. So many questions today. Who are Jesus' main opponents on his time on earth? Who, who opposed him more than ever? When he was here in ministry, it was the religious leaders of the time, wasn't it? The religious leaders of the time were his biggest opponents. A barrier between his time on earth and all those who wanted to come and know him. They were putting up barriers all the time, stopping him coming to know Jesus. But do you think Satan has stopped there? The author of deception, of lies. Of course he's not stopped there. He continues to obscure the truth of Jesus through Easter, through the bunny and the chocolate and, and all the other things, but also through religion. Consider this piece of evidence. Millions of people have spent years attending church and yet they don't know God. The heads are filled with stuff in about Jesus, but don't experience Jesus. There are millions more who love Jesus, but only experience him occasionally. Perhaps sort of stumbled in a long life, far short of what Jesus has promised you. You can come over all kinds of barriers in your life when you've got Jesus, but we stumble along without really knowing him personally, his experience. You can get to know him intimately. Now, if you sent your child to school to learn Spanish and they came back speaking Swahili, what would you say? Well, I might say my children, actually. It's quite, quite a good school. 
or I sent to the wrong school and I should have gone to Specsavers, I don't know. Or you went to Ridgens or any other DIY store to buy a, a kitchen and they sold you a bathroom. What would you say? You've been misled, you've been missold. Come to church to experience Jesus. Anything far short of that is, isn't the experience that God wants you to have. Is this the, the church of Jesus that I come to? Do, am I falling in love with Jesus when I come here? Am I getting to know him? To experience him? It continues to happen. I've ruled the centuries. The truth of Jesus has been obscured through organized religion. I, I, I've met many people now who who say, Jesus is too busy to hear my prayers, so I pray to saint this or saint that. And I think, no. no. He died for you, so he's not too busy for you. You pray to him direct. He's not too busy for you. He died to have a relationship with you. He's not too busy for you. He's not too busy. He died on the cross for you. The curtain was torn in two to access the Father direct. Not to go through mediators. And You can experience Jesus intimately. And that's my prayer today. That we experience Jesus on a new level. Intimately. Through his eyes. I pray that so many times. Lord, show me people through your eyes. So I can pray accordingly and, and love them and Show you, Lord, your will for their lives, God. Hallelujah. So despite the vandalizing of Jesus, Jesus is still much alive. He's still alive. He's not a ghost-like figure in millions of portraits hanging around art galleries or stained glass windows. He's very much more than that. And that's the image that's been sold, isn't it? He's so much alive. That picture there, Earlier in the day, that girl's vision of Jesus. And it's funny Sam mentioned that, that photo because when I first came across that photo three, four years ago, that was the picture I was putting in my head when I'm praying to Jesus. That warm, that warmth of him, that love of that depth, that humanity. That's the Jesus we know. That's the Jesus we pray to. But how can we uncover more of Jesus? A simple prayer before we even start getting into the word. Lord, show me the real you. I ask for you, Lord. Show me the real you. And if you do that with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, it it will start an avalanche of coming to know him. Because that's his biggest command to us, isn't it? Love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, heart and strength. That's his instruction to us. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, heart and strength. That's everything. Everything. The more time we spend with him personally, one on one, we get to know Jesus and he can reveal more to us. Another question. Do you think God's got a personality of of humor? Does he like to have a laugh? 
Does he have a personality? Does Jesus like to have a laugh? Or was he so serious? What do you make of someone who's so serious all the time? It's tiring, isn't it? It's like, come on, chill out, man. You're so dull. Have a personality, or you know, it's tough, isn't it? We, you know, we come across people who just they're like ice. You know, you want them to thaw and just. That's what we think, isn't it? God likes to have a laugh. Jesus has got a personality. He's so good. And when you get to know that, you get to know these sides of Jesus. Some of the Bible stories can have a different angle because you get to know his personality beyond some of the things he said. When he said to his mum, Mary, uh, after she said, after turning the water into wine, and he says, my dear, don't bother me. My time has not come. When you get to know his different side of personality, that that could be quite a tender moment. Mother, my time has not come. You know, it's a different angle on things. Abraham and Sarah, well in their 90s, they're going to have a baby. Right? And the angel says, Sarah, you're going to have a baby this time next year. Oh, yeah, right. Come on. Yeah, sure enough. And what does she do? She laughed. God laughs. You laughed. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. God's got humor. They're going to swap their wheelchairs for pushchairs. Jesus is a playful God. How do they react? <laughs> Praise God. He is so good. God is good. All the time. Hallelujah. He is so good. He has got a personality. He is fun. Come on, Lord. He is so good. I've got a little bit of time. I'm going to share a story from Luke 24. Luke 24. I'm going to share a quick story about his per- I want to reveal something to you. Some, obviously, there is a famous story. The Emmaus Road story. This is the, the day of the resurrection. Jesus now risen from the dead. He's beaten death. Let's pick it up quickly from verse 13. 24 verse 13. Now that same day, resurrection day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing them. He asked them, Jesus asked, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still. Their faces downcast. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? Do you not know the things that have happened? Jesus says, What things? Let's stop there for a minute. What is the attitude? What is the mood of the disciples at this moment? Devastated. Gutted. Sad. Downcast. Completely defeated. If any moment cried out for good news now, it was now. If if any good news, because oh, lads, I'm here. It's all right, all right. Jesus can now reveal himself straight away. Lads, don't be upset. I'm alive. I've beaten death straight away. But here's Jesus acting like a tourist, isn't he? Comes alongside him all casually. All right, guys. And what are you discussing as you walk along? <laughs> Only about my resurrection and death. But he's asked a question, hasn't he? Why has he asked that question? He knows what they're discussing. What are you discussing? Are you only a visitor? No, what things? What does Jesus 
playing here? What What's in his mind? How do you get to know this? It's incredible. So he comes along, he just shuffles alongside, doesn't he? Doesn't announce himself in a big ray of light. Doesn't announce himself in the temple courts in front of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, does he? And says, ah, I am the son of God, I am who I am. He comes alongside to his friends and his people he loves dearly. Those who follow him. You follow him, he'll reveal himself personally. And that's what he's doing here. He's revealing himself personally to his friends in a very friendly, beautiful, tender moment. Having a laugh. Between uh, verse 19 to 24, they carry on. They say, it's about Jesus. This is what we're talking about. Uh, He was a prophet, powerful in word. Before God, all the people, the chief priests, they handed him over to be sentenced to death and crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who's going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. Uh, verse 22, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb, didn't find his body. They came and told us, said he was alive. Some of the companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. They carried on. Jesus allows them to talk all this. He's accepting all this. And then he gives him a Bible study. And then he tells him a bit about the, the, well, this surely must have happened. This is what, what, what had to happen. This is what the prophets have spoken about. And then in verse 28 and 29, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. Jesus acted. So what is Jesus' mood this day? What is the mood of Jesus on this particular Sunday? He's just defeated death. He's got the keys to eternity now. He must be pretty cheerful. He is so cheerful, isn't he? He's beaten death. He's beaten Satan. He is full of, come on, I've done it. This is it. And he's appeared to two of his friends. And he's just carrying on. And now he's acting. Sorry for your loss, guys. I've got to go. And there he goes. No, 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 come back. No, c- come and have dinner with us. No, and I've really got to go. Oh, okay. So this is the king who just beaten death, playing with his disciples. What does that tell us about Jesus? It's personal and tender and beautiful, isn't it? Sweet, isn't it? This is the God we worship, people. This is the God we worship. And then Luke 31, the story continues. After he broke bread and gave thanks, then their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Wow. Oof. Disappeared. Beautiful. So what do you make of this story? Bizarre? What kind of obscure spiritual lesson is God teaching us here? Or is just Jesus being playful? Tender? As I said earlier, if it was a religious story, he would have done it in the temple. He'd have reappeared in the temple, wouldn't he? How have we missed this? Is this the Jesus I pray to? Is this the Jesus of our church? Is this what I experience from Jesus? Is this what I experience from Jesus? It's beautiful, isn't it? And when we start to understand his personality a bit more, some of the stories can change slightly for us and 
Ah, now you're getting to know someone, aren't you? You get to know them. God is good. And just to close, I want to share another one of his famous little stories. This is just, the more you fall in love with Jesus, you'll never know the Bible fully. You'll never know it. You can read the same parable a hundred times and you'll learn something different every time. That's the thing about the Bible. It's a lifetime's work. You can read it every year. Every year you'll learn something different. Every day you'll learn something different. In John 21, in John chapter 21, this is now a couple of weeks after the resurrection. Jesus has been appearing a few times to his disciples. And his disciples now don't know what to make of all this. So as good as any good fisherman does, they go fishing. They go fishing again. Who can blame them? Who can blame them? This is what they know best. But Jesus walks up on the beach while his friends are fishing. And in verse 5 of John chapter 21, he says, Friends, haven't you any fish? They're in the, the sea. And he shouts, Friends, have you any fish? And they don't recognize him. No, no, I ain't caught nothing. Been here all night, ain't caught anything. And then Jesus says, throw your net on the other side. And again, they catch a massive catch of fish. 153 to be precise. Now Jesus is happy here, isn't he? He still hasn't revealed himself to anybody else apart from his friends, disciples. He sidles up on the beach. And why did he choose the beach and again why they're fishing? Because back in Luke 5, this is when he first met the disciples fishing. And he says, leave your nets, come and follow me, you'll be fishers of men. That's when he first met the disciples. And they had that miraculous catch of fish then. So he's appeared again to them while they're fishing and done the same miracle. Is when they do that catch, they recognize him. And they dive in the sea to come and see him. Jesus chose this moment because it's personal. Because it's personal. We all can remember where we first met Jesus. We can always remember moments in our lives where we first met our husbands, wives. And the first words that we spoke. Can't we? And they're tender moments. I met my wife in Sainsbury's. No, you can't go there. She's been sold. And the first words I spoke to her were, excuse me, where's the bacon? They were the first words. Where's the bacon? Ten years later. <laughs> They're personal moments, aren't they? And Jesus is sharing that personal moment now. Throw your nets on the other side. Whoa, it's Jesus. Because they're recalling what he did way back. They're recalling that same tender moment that Jesus shared his first experience with them. Because he's that kind of God. Personal. A tender, beautiful moment. Personal God. Died for us to be a personal God. Staggering. A beautiful story, isn't it? Made beautiful by his 
tenderness for his friends. And they will share that story, don't they? You share stories, don't you? Like we just shared there. You share how you met each other. You share, you recall. God, do you remember when we first met? Yeah, yeah, we were fishing. And Isn't it great? Isn't he worthy? This is the God we serve. A playful, beautiful, tender God. A relational God. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.